Dr. Mitch joins me now. Good morning, Dr. Mitch. Good morning. I think it would be awesome to hear you for longer, but I can understand the physical toll it would take. Yeah. Don't you have work to do? Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, let's start with this, because I know there's been so much uh, information and misinformation going around about it. Observed versus expected rates of myocarditis after uh, the SARS vaccinations. First of all, what is it? So myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle itself, the myocardium. Um, and sometimes it's also associated with pericarditis, which is inflammation of the lining that surrounds the heart and protects it from some of the things that can bother it within the body. And so inflammation of this is very rare, even with the vaccine. With the vaccine, you're talking of less than a case for 100,000 vaccine doses. So this is not something that's frequent. This is not something that's common. This is, in fact, as likely to happen to you or almost as likely to happen to you from the disease or even perhaps more likely to happen to you from the disease itself than from the vaccine. But being, I think, responsible scientists, and we can argue this, um, once they started hearing reports about this, they wanted to figure out what was the actual rate and who's at most risk and which vaccine. And lo and behold, they found that if they looked at the total number of cases, you are most likely, again, very, very unlikely, but more likely than than others to develop a case of myocarditis if you're a male between the ages of 12 to 17 or 18 to 29 and if you'd been vaccinated with an mrna vaccine manufactured by moderna and if it was your second dose not your third not your first but your second so that means if we're really concerned about the rates of this disease and remember it rarely requires you to stay in the hospital and is extremely rare in the first place and even much more likely to uh, much more unlikely to cause any significant medical problems um, so uh, if you want to avoid it then we can use a different vaccine that's less likely to do those things for example the Pfizer mRNA vaccine if you want to do mRNA and for your second dose so there are ways of avoiding it but again not a major concern I, again i don't want to minimize the pain and suffering anybody goes through don't 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 mistake me but if i'm looking at risk of hospitalization risk of a horrible outcome risk compared to getting the virus itself in all categories when you tick off the different boxes it's still safer than either getting the disease or allowing yourself to fall victim to the other things that are in our communities right now yeah. Well, reasonable people will be happy to hear you say that, and the unreasonable people will keep texting me. So let's move on. Um, I, how much, I'll stop texting now. Okay. How much water do you need to drink in a day? I keep seeing different amounts, and I wonder, is it different for each person? Yes, and this is a lovely study in the journal Science, and they looked at over 5,600 different people in about 23 or 26 different countries, huge amount of work. And what they did was they didn't guess, they didn't make it up, they didn't calculate it in all sorts of weird ways. What they did was they gave these people what we call labeled water. So in other words, a different isotope of hydrogen and oxygen in the water that they drank and measured what came out and end. And lo and behold, they found that the amount of water that you needed actually varied dramatically. It varied with age. It varied with your activity level. It varied with your gender. It varied with um, the uh, type of humidity and the environment in which you lived, which makes perfect sense. The eight glasses, eight eight ounce glasses of water a day was sort of a, I'll call it a ballpark myth. And the amount that could vary dramatically from person to person. So to know how much water you actually need, 
One, uh, if you're thirsty, drink. Duh. Uh, but make certain it's not hunger. Sometimes we confuse hunger for thirst. So try, if you're feeling hungry, to drink a glass of whatever first. Uh, and if you're still hungry after that, then eat. So drink, number one. Number two, uh, you should be going to the bathroom on a regular basis. And if you're well hydrated, you know that the first time you go to the bathroom in the day after you wake up from sleeping, whenever it is that you get to sleep, um, your urine is fairly concentrated. Well, you haven't been eating, drinking, and it's been staying there for all this time. But during the day, your urine should become almost clear barely yellow. And that tells you that whatever your activity level, whatever your gender, whatever your weight, whatever your age, you're actually getting enough to drink. And remember, a lot of the water that we get in our diet comes from our foods, right? Fruits and juices, uh, fruits rather, and vegetables have lots of uh, water in them. So that's always a good source for many of us. And that makes sure that you're getting the benefit of your fruits and your vegetables at the same time as staying well hydrated. You remember that ad, Dr. Mitch, that Lipton ran? Look at all those little old ladies drinking Lipton tea. And, <laughs> and then, of course, they were young, good-looking ladies, and they were trying to change the demographic for tea. But apparently there's been a study involving elderly ladies in tea. Yes, from Western Australia, from Perth. And they actually were looking at these women to see whether the amount of calcium in their diet affected the fragility of their bones. And as part of that, what they were doing is they're checking diet and they're doing special x-rays of their back to see what was happening. Well, on those x-rays, you can actually see layers of calcium that can become deposited in that major blood vessel, your aorta. And that's usually a marker of the amount of blockage, the amount of uh, debris that's accumulated, let's put it that way. And the more, obviously, the, the more of it that you have, the greater your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. Well, lo and behold, they found that the women with the highest doses or highest amounts of flavonoids, which are specific compounds found in tea and fruits and vegetables, were the least likely or had the least amount of calcium uh, inside these blood vessels and therefore were probably the least likely to go on to have a heart attack or stroke. And they found that for these white elderly women in their 80s living in Western Australia, the major source of their flavonoids were tea, black tea specifically. But you can get flavonoids from nuts and from other things in your diet. Um, uh, coffee even can provide it. So the key thing is to eat a varied diet and a varied diet high in flavonoids. And if you want to make tea your source, go for it. Not a problem. Um, this may reduce your risk of developing a heart attack or stroke, but at the end, it certainly won't harm you. And it's a great way of being hydrated. So it ties into everything. Yeah. But what if I load the tea up with sugar? That's not smart. <laughs> and that's the problem. A lot of the liquids that we drink are basically liquid desserts with a lot of fat, a lot of sugar in them. And obviously, that's not good for you. You don't need all those calories. So if you're having your tea, having it just straight is perfectly okay. Or with a smidgen of tea, of uh, sugar or honey. Same thing with your coffee. Uh, having it laden with cream and whipped cream and fat and sugar, not a smart idea, but having it black or with a small amount of skim milk or or two percent milk or, or nothing actually is probably the best way of taking it. same thing with having uh, artificially sweetened uh, drinks soft drinks and things like that pop um, the problem with that is yes it's artificially sweetened yes it has no calories but it's training your brain to like sweet and so yeah. it makes it tougher during the day to avoid craving a sweet drink or a sweet food which is not what you want your brain doing 
I don't mind causing trouble on the radio, but out in public, I don't do it. But you know what I want to do? When I'm behind that person at Tim's who orders a small coffee, triple, triple, I want to say, do you not like coffee? Don't order it. (laughs) I think there's a value in coffee or tea in and of themselves. And we should be able to enjoy the flavor without them being hidden under other things. All right, Dr. Mitch, good to talk to you. A pleasure. Have a great day.